Don't be afraid to raise the issue and say, hey, I'd like to have a conversation about this second family home because I want to make sure that we are all on the same page and we are honoring each other's wishes and desires as we move forward. Does talking about your money make you cringe? Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is a wealth psychology expert who is doing what she does best, speaking about taboo topics. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. Over the past decade, she has empowered thousands of people to break money silence at home and at work. Now, here is Kathleen. This episode is sponsored by Life Transitions by Dr. Amy. Helping financial advisors and their clients have deeper, more meaningful conversations so that life changes are better connected to financial plans. To find out more, visit dramy.life. Today, we are going to be talking about helping people through conflict when it comes to inheriting or owning a second home together, especially when we're talking about next gen siblings or inheritors. And I have a great person to help us talk about this topic. Uh, her name is Amy Mariani, and she is the founder of Mariani Mediation Services. And so she's going to come to the podcast and help us talk about it. But let me lay just some quick groundwork here. If you think about it, most disagreements start because parties are talking at each other, not with one another. And I certainly know I've been a victim of that when it comes to my own family situation. Uh, and certainly passing on a second home falls into the category of a highly emotional conversation that many families need to have, whether it's across generations or between people in the same generation. So both from a personal experience, as well as from coaching my clients who are struggling with communicating and breaking money silence around the second home, I thought this would make a great podcast interview because I know that this is a very common issue. So Amy Mariani, as I said, is the founder of Mariani Mediation Services, uh, and I welcome her to the podcast. She's going to offer us tips on mediating differences when it comes to passing on and inheriting a family second home. I am so glad that Amy is calm and confident in her demeanor. She focuses on the party, what the parties really want, and then minimizes kind of the traps we fall into of posturing, you know, posturing and bullying each other and enables effective communication and gets results. She has over 20 years of experience representing individuals and businesses in employment, personal injury, and business disputes. While many of these cases went to trial, Amy was able to resolve many of them through effective and creative negotiation. So in the second part of her career, she decided to focus on mediation. And her mediation skills have saved hundreds of individuals and businesses thousands of dollars, countless hours of time, and immeasurable amounts of stress. I am so excited for our conversation today. Amy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here today. Yes. So tell me a little bit. You like conflict or controversy. And so how did you get interested in mediation as this second part of your career? 
It actually stemmed from the fact that I enjoyed the mediation experiences I had uh, as an attorney for people in conflict. I found the mediation experience to be incredibly rewarding because it allowed people to explore not only the legal side of the case, but all the external stuff, too, that really did affect decision making. So uh, my experiences as an attorney accompanying clients through that process made me really look at it and say, hey, that looks kind of interesting. I think I'd like to turn and do that uh, in phase two of my career. And what I like about it is, you know, there are a lot of mediators that don't have the legal background and certainly there's value there as well. But having both must really be useful for your clients. It can be incredibly useful because when people get stuck in that emotion and in that uh, anger that often happens in a case, I can sit down and talk to them in a very direct way about what the roadmap looks like if they choose to go forward with litigation. And the fact that, you know, I tried cases for 20 years allows me to speak with some level of authority about what that what that future really looks like in a way that is a little bit more difficult if you if you are not someone who comes from a legal background. Do I have the psychology expertise that some of the social work and and psychologists who do the same kind of work that I do happen to have? No, but you, you learn over time in both directions. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, different types of mediators for different situations. And certainly you have uh, a lot of street cred and I know uh, (laughs) training in the area. Now, you mentioned angry or feeling stuck. Is that the best time to call in a mediator? Because I know that, you know, do you need to get to this point where it's so bad or should you call someone in sooner if you're in a situation? Let's say, you know, we're talking about second homes today where two siblings don't get along about a second home. The earlier, the better when you find yourself in controversy with a loved one. Uh, So uh, it's it's akin to, in a family context, it's akin to a married couple deciding to go to to couples counseling before going to uh, a, a divorce lawyer. So you can always call in somebody who has specialized expertise to help you through difficult conversations. That can be a conflict coach, that can be a mediator, that can be a a facilitator, a wide variety of professionals can provide services. And depending on how early you are in that that process of dealing with the emotions and dealing with the the problems and the conflicts, you may want to talk to somebody different. I, as a mediator, tend to deal with things when they're pretty far down the road of this is getting ugly and this is getting difficult and we're thinking about calling lawyers. Conflict coaches and facilitators may come in a little earlier and be very, very effective at dealing with the conflict before it gets to a point where people are thinking legal strategy. So it really draws on that legal expertise you have of going to trial. And, Definitely. You know, I, I'm assuming that the goal, at least for the parties that are working with you, is to try to avoid that if at all possible, or at least assess what that might look like. Yes, it's either to avoid it entirely, or if they're already in that process, to get themselves off of that highway, to get them take an exit path that's going to let them get back to living their lives as opposed to living with a case that could go on for anywhere from three to five years. Yeah. Yeah. No. And and it can be so stressful. Like I said in the opening, I've had my own personal experience uh, as well as worked with a lot of clients around, you know, breaking money silence about money, about family issues, inheritance. 
But in my recent situation, uh, there was a family home that was supposed to be inherited by myself and my sister. And uh, ultimately, my dad remarried and his wife decided to sell the home. The family communication wasn't great to begin with. And, you know, there were certain feelings that I had, and I suspect other people in the family had as well. The difficulty that I had, Amy, was that I called for a family meeting, you know, well before I called for a mediator, and I was met with silence. Mm-hmm. So how do you encourage, you know, even though I'm an expert in this, when I'm in my family, I'm in my family. It's a, it's a whole different ballgame. So how do you encourage someone to break money silence and, and encourage the parties to work with a mediator uh, like you? What I suggest is that people take it in a series of small steps. So you float the idea, hey, we're having trouble talking about this. You know, perhaps we could use some help in talking about this. And then continually reiterate that small message over time. So it may take months before there's there's a family consensus to do something. Uh, my parents are in their 80s and, you know, we, we're constantly dealing with looking at things that are occurring in the future. And and some of the people in our family dynamic are not people who act quickly. So what we need to do there is plant the seed, let the seed germinate and keep watering that seed over time to eventually get to the result that we want. So, you know, if in the situation where you've got a family home and you want to have uh, family meetings about it, Perhaps what you do is is you say six months before you actually anticipate the meeting occurring, hey, I heard about this this you know this way of handling things that I think might be useful. Why don't you take a look at this piece of information, or why don't you take a look at this particular podcast or webcast or whatever it happens to be, and let people sort of sit with that as opposed to pressing the issue right away. People tend to become defensive and reflexive if you press too hard. And if they're not emotionally ready, they're not going to engage and they're going to reject whatever you offer out of hand. Yeah, that's great advice. Now I'm wondering, somebody might be out there listening, thinking, you know what, my family or my situation is too far down the line or mediation won't work. Are there certain situations, Amy, where mediation truly doesn't work and it's better, you're better off to go to trial or just if possible, drop it? There are a couple of situations where mediation is not a really great fit for what people are looking for. And those usually fit into, I call them the three Ps, power, punishment, or principle. So if the primary motivation is one of those three things, mediation probably is not going to be as effective as uh, it could be in other situations. When I encounter somebody who has one of those three goals as their primary motivation coming into the mediation, I can often get them to understand and realize that that's not really in their best interest, but it's a lot tougher for me to do that. If if the issue truly is one of principle and money truly is no object in uh, defending or or prosecuting that principle, then that's not a case that's going to settle. So that's really interesting. Define principle for me and our listeners. Sure. Uh, Principle would be one of a couple of different things. Uh, Needing to be proven right or needing to stand up for oneself. Those are often viewed as matters of principle. The other is when you are, for example, in a corporate setting, if there is a 
potential decision that could occur that would have ripple effects on your long-term business. So if you do not take a stand and you do not get a court to say the law is this or the law is that, you're going to be living with long-term uncertainty that simply is untenable. Got it. So that's really helpful. So power, punishment, principle, those are three reasons not to go if those are your reasons uh, to go to mediation. And that's really a helpful way of looking at it. We need to take a quick break. We are here with Amy Marinari, and she is talking about mediating in general. And uh, as we move forward in our conversation, we're going to talk about um, a little bit more in detail about second homes and why that can get so tricky and, and offer some tips and tools to work through that. So I'm Kathleen Burns Kingsbury. Uh, we'll be back in a minute with Breaking Money Silence. Hi, this is Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, and I just wanted to tell you about a new exciting program. It's for business owners. Because many business owners, we spend so much time delivering our products and services, but we fail to set up a system to actually make sure we get paid every month. You deserve to get paid every month. If you broke money silence and you asked for your fee, then it's time to figure out how to put financial policies and procedures in place in your business so you can continue to earn what you are worth. So I have developed a course called It's Time to Get Paid. It takes you through how to contract, how to set up a payment policy, and ultimately how to collect accounts that are past due. So. I think you should check it out. It's only $27. It's a great investment for your firm. And if you are new to business or struggling in getting paid what you are worth, then it is time to check out. It's time to get paid. Go to courses.breakingmoneysilence.com and check out the details. Hey, we're back with Breaking Money Silence and I'm with Amy Marinari. She is a mediator and a former trial lawyer. I don't know if you still go to trial every once in a while. I'm thinking not. (laughs) Um, And we are talking about mediation in general, but also how tricky it can be uh, with a second home. So can you give me an example maybe of a case that you've worked on where it has been about maybe people inheriting a second home or a family trying to work out the differences with a vacation home? I, I know it's a quite common situation. It is a very common situation, and uh, most frequently it's about not the immediate aftermath of someone passing away, but more when the parties have lived with the situation for a couple of years and they start realizing, oh, this second home that my parents always paid for and took care of requires time, it requires maintenance, and it requires money. And when one person or one set of people are using the property more frequently than others, they may feel like they're taking on more of that burden in terms of maintaining the property and everything, while the other side of the family may feel resentful that they're not getting equal access, but still being charged the same amount of money. So that's a typical fact pattern where where tensions start to develop. And if you don't sit down and talk realistically about who has what real responsibilities, who has what role to play in, in managing the property and dealing with the property and then figuring out how to schedule the property so that people get equitable use based on their circumstances, those things can really become enormous pressure points in a family relationship. 
Yes, definitely. That is what I've seen with folks in terms of use, maintenance, resentment, all those kinds of things. So you don't make decisions for other people. So, you know, at a high level, walk us through what that process might look like. Sure. There are a couple of different stages, as, as I mentioned before, where people can come in, people like me can come into uh, into play. And the first is as a facilitator, just someone guiding a family who is communicating pretty well together, but wants to have a little bit of expertise in, in the conversation to keep it cordial and, and on track. That's where a facilitator can come in and basically design the way the discussion is going to go. The second is a conflict coach when there's there's an actual issue with how the property is being utilized. And the conflict coach can then come in and work in, in a, either one session on very specific issues or can work over time to be on call as issues arise. The third is mediators will get involved when basically the parties have decided we can't continue on in this relationship together. We need to figure out how to... Um, how to separate and divide up the way things are. Uh, so it's more like a, a divorce situation. So those, those, you could have the same person play all three of those roles. Oftentimes you'll, you'll use different people based on the circumstances you're in. Interesting. I didn't realize those differences. And I can see, and I certainly have experienced in, in my own life and also having been the expert in this situation of, you know, having that third party who is not emotionally involved. You know, we think we have our emotions in check, but often we're making decisions that aren't very rational when it comes to money and families and second homes and things like that. Same, I guess, with a divorce when things get very contentious. And so does this may be a silly question, but does anybody ever come in by themselves, Amy, and say, I, I need a, a mediator and you coach them individually, maybe to get the process started? Yeah, that actually does happen. Uh, and, and conflict coaching for an individual is certainly always an option. So if, if you need help strategizing about how do I approach this person based on what's going on, based on their personality. Someone who does conflict coaching can certainly be of tremendous assistance to you. Just talking with you and helping you role play and rehearse that conversation ahead of time may take some of that emotion out of the way and may allow you to, instead of feeling like you have to constantly be talking, be able to sit back, reflect and understand their, their point of view better, which will inf allow you to direct the way you're speaking to and with them to become a more, more constructive conversation. Do you find that families are, and maybe they don't come to see you, so you don't know, but families are able to do this? Or do you, you know, be calm about these situations? Or do you find that the majority of families, you know, that have second home issues or inheritance being passed on and, and complicated trust that it gets a little messy? I think most get a little messy. The question is how messy. I don't think that there's a, a single circumstance where people can be in joint ownership of something and not have a difference of opinion. The question is, does that difference of opinion get resolved quickly and effectively without destroying the underlying relationship? Or does that fester and become a bigger problem? So if the families have the resources to do it, Using somebody like a professional property manager can be an incredibly valuable tool. Uh, professional property managers can do things like say, yes, this maintenance can be deferred or no, this maintenance really does need to occur now. They can be responsible for looking at 
all of the long-term and short-term issues. They can create a budget. They can do a wide variety of things that, that make it much more accessible to a family who wants to use and enjoy the property without the stress and the strain to do precisely that. Well, and what I love about that is the idea that it's somebody who is not aligned with anybody, but within the best interest of the property. And it's another kind of third party and another option. Um, So if people are listening in and they say, you know what, maybe I'm ready to hire a mediator, given whatever their situation is, uh, how do they go about doing it? There are a couple of different ways. The first way is to look to a nationally recognized organization of what we call alternative dispute resolution professionals. The National Academy of Distinguished Neutrals is one. Uh, American Arbitration Association is another. And your state bar associations typically will have resources in that regard as well. Those are always wonderful sources. The other thing is, if you know lawyers, uh, lawyers are the typical consumer of mediation services. Get in touch with the lawyer, say, hey, I'm looking for a lawyer uh, for a mediator who does this. Do you know of anyone? If they don't know someone, someone within their network probably does. The other thing you can do is just Google mediator in your area and place a couple of phone calls and find out who you feel comfortable with. Good mediators will tell you, this is a good case for me. This is not a good case for me. I have a colleague who does these cases all the time. This is a terrific resource for you. So if if you get a good mediator on the phone, they're going to want to make sure that they are the right fit for that conflict. That makes sense. And we'll put some of those resources that you mentioned in the show notes so people can click through and see um, the different referral sources that are out there. Uh, Time goes so quick, Amy. I feel like I could talk about this and we could get into case studies and we could get real deep. Um, but we are going to have to switch gears and wind things up. So I'm curious if you had to think about just one piece of advice you've had for listeners today who are in the midst of, you know, managing a second home or thinking about inheriting a second home with a sibling or another person that isn't uh, someone that they're, they're married to, uh, tell me what that advice might be. Start the conversation about what your expectations are for the future as early as possible. Don't be afraid to raise the issue and say, hey, I'd like to have a conversation about this second family home because I want to make sure that we are all on the same page and we are honoring each other's wishes and desires as we move forward. Beautifully said. I wish more patriarchs and matriarchs did that as well in terms of setting their kids or the next generation up for success. Um, But those are great, wise words. Now, I'm sure there are folks that are going to want to hear and know more about the work that you do. So tell us a little bit about your firm and where we can find out more about your work. Sure. I'm a solo operation. I primarily deal with cases involving employment, personal injury, and business-related disputes. I can be found at amariani at marianimediation.com, or you can find me on LinkedIn at Amy Mariani or on my website, marianimediation.com. Well, thank you so much, Amy. It's been a pleasure to break money silence with you today. And you have both given uh, my listeners tips and tools and also some things for me to think about personally. So I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This episode is sponsored by Life Transitions by Dr. Amy. 
helping financial advisors and their clients have deeper, more meaningful conversations so that life changes are better connected to financial plans. To find out more, visit dramy.life. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave a review. Also, share this episode with your friends and family. It is a great way to get the conversation started. For more money talk tips and information or to hire Kathleen to speak at your next event, go to www.breakingmoneysilence.com.